Welcome to Galaxy Brains. The weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Bitcoin is back, but don't you dare call it a rebirth. The last of us here when the rest just leave Earth. I'm passionate, clear when I'm blasting these verse. Yo, master the purse. Pull the strings like Pinocchio. And yo, I sing when I work. Always keep it bespoke. I'm so relaxed and take notes. I'll take a couple shots from way downtown. Paul Pierce on the block. When he steps on the street, all of Soho claps. You can hear him yelling out, calling Novo Grads. People always ask if I'll stop rapping. I got Nostra backing up. My guest is Thomas Packy, and I hate going slow. So you know that I love speed. Raise a glass, take a knee outside of Pub Key. I'm giving shouts to all the people who dabble in game. Nothing but love to my galaxy brains. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of Firmwide Research at Galaxy Digital. We have a great show. Thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains. Mike Novogratz, CEO and founder of Galaxy, joins us to talk macro and react to the Fed. And Thomas Packy, a founder and proprietor of PubKey, the best and only Bitcoin bar in New York City, is our guest. But before we get into all of that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer on the podcast notes and note that none of the information contained in this podcast represents investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Let's get right into the show. Let's go now to our expert in macro, CEO and founder of Galaxy, Mike Novogratz. Welcome to Galaxy Brains. Galaxy Brains, first time I'm on the damn podcast. It is. It's the first what, time. What took so long? <laughs> well, I, we were waiting for you to ask us to come on. We were trying to get so famous you couldn't stay away, but uh, we're working on that still. Yeah, when I had a podcast, it was like hoveled in my office. You got your own little, I know, little we studio. Got a... <laughs> well, I didn't pay for it. Um, I know Galaxy did, so thank you. Um, Mike, the Fed uh, raised rates 25 bips today. Um, and signaled, you know, further rate hikes. It seemed a little yeah, hawkish to me. Hike. What was your takeaway? Listen, I think he was right up the middle. What was expected? Um, he was very clear. We probably will have a credit contraction based on regional banks being under stress, and that is rate hiking. And so he broadly was saying, I was pretty hawkish three weeks ago, right at Humphrey Hawkins, testified that we might have to go a lot more than we thought. That's off the table. Uh, they went 25. They might or might not go next meeting, and then they're going to pause. And that's what the market is pricing. That's what their dots say. Mm -hmm. Now, the market's pricing. They're going to cut rates sooner than they're saying they are. But he gave a pretty clear indication that this banking crisis will have a negative impact on the economy, and that is a tightening. And so the market broadly is read at dovish, right? Fixed income is a lot higher. Mm -hmm. Crypto traded really well beforehand, and it was a little buy the rumor, sell the fact. Remember, we've gone from 17,000 to, you know, 28.9 yeah. at the high today. Yeah. And so we've rolled over pretty hard. I think this is just a position washout. Like, of us crypto guys, everyone had kind of gone all in a little. Somebody went, people went a little too far over their yeah. skis. And yeah. so this is a natural pullback. And it's not, I mean, right now I think we're trading at like 27.5. It's not like, a, you know, a, a massive retrace. Yeah. But if you look at fixed income, it's traded 25 basis points higher. And so you would have thought, okay, there's an ease that's being priced in. Crypto would have normally done better with that other than it had front run it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think... Um, so it's not the, – the dot plot isn't much changed from the last time it saw. So they're they're sort of hanging in there. Is that what they're no, trying to signal? No, I, I think they're basically saying, you know, 5% this year and then goes down to 3%. Yeah. So they see the economy and, and inflation slowing. 
uh, we have a slow economy already and they see it slowing more. Uh, the labor market's stubborn. And so the Fed is, you know, not ready to say they're going to cut rates this year. The market is. Yeah. Um, and we'll see who's true. Powell was very straightforward, though. He said, listen, we're just guessing. We'll react to the data. Yeah. And so if the data rolls, um, and we'll see, you know, it's complicated and how fast the transmission is. Regional banks grow lending at around 16, 17%. Money center banks grow lending at 1%. They don't lend. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not, you know, Chase Manhattan, uh, City, uh, Citibank, they're not in the business of lending. They have consumer lending through credit cards, but not to uh, Businesses, commercial real estate. Yeah. Right. And so regional banks stop lending because how do you build up your bank capital? The best way to build up bank capital is to stop lending. Yeah. Right. Right. They've got the duration stuff they can't just easily unload. That's the problem. The other stuff they have are loans. They can lend, loan less. Yeah. yeah. They loan less. Do you so, think uh, would would you say like broadly speaking that the part of the thing that gave the Fed the uh, power the comfort to continue because a lot on the street were saying maybe a pause right now um, I had talked to some smart people who said that anything other than a pause could be a massive policy blunder was a quote somebody said to me um, is it because they're out here saying. We're backstopping the banking system anyway. So like – What's if, interesting. If, so yeah. why did the market roll over and even crypto roll over? Is during Powell's press conference, Yellen was quoted at her own press conference on something else saying, well, we're not going to actually raise the deposit insurance level at this point. And that was seen as really negative. I have no idea what the context of that was. Um, I think there was a big school of thought among central bankers that – if they pause, people would see it as, God, things are much worse than they are. Interesting. And you saw five or six you know, central bankers on the tape, ex-central bankers, saying that. And so I thought they should pause and say, hey, we got new information. We'll see what happens. we got another meeting you know, in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, what's the big deal? Um, right. And, and they sort of step it down. They, they're still not – they didn't do 50. Yeah, he did 25 and they'll see what, what happens next month. My guess is this is this was the dovish pause that people were thinking about. And that's why Fixed Income reacted the way it did. Um, I think stocks rolled over a little bit because Yellen spooked them. Uh, and again, uh, stocks have bounced. Crypto hasn't. Um, so stocks rolled over and then bounced. Crypto uh, rolled over and has rolled over. I just think that, you know, markets are always – prices are set on the margin. It's more buyers versus sellers. A lot of crypto people had bought and got very bulled up. We have to remember we still have a big headwind in government regulation. Yeah. They are out to get us right now. It is freaking driving me crazy. It feels un-American. I've spent a lot of time in the last three days on phones with politicians, both Dems and Republicans. Um, but, you know, they've got a banking crisis to worry about. They've got a, a debt, you know, ceiling showdown that – I know. Clock is ticking. We're in uh, emergency measures or whatever they call right now where they're moving money around in their pockets and to so, pay for the government. And so, you know, crypto is just you know, not high on the priority of most congressmen or, or senators. There's some that really care about our industry, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but they got bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah. I've been banging the drum the last week and a half or so, 10 days on Bitcoin as a really interesting alternative to 
the banking system just because it was forged during the last financial crisis, the last banking crisis. What what are your thoughts on this overall? Listen, I I don't think it's an alternative to moving money around in payments at this point. The uh, the reality is just the system isn't big enough for the amount of stuff that happens. Um, that says I think it's a great uh, report card on financial stewardship. One of the reasons Bitcoin is rallying and crypto is rallying is because the Fed is going to get easier. We just took a balance sheet, was in the middle of QT and did some QE. Mm-hmm. If you look, we took back half of quantitative tightening in three days. I saw that. And Bitcoin has always been a response to populism. Governments can't stop spending money. And, you know, they did the right thing, bailing out the depositors. It yeah. costs money. And so as the market perceives, yeah, there's no way they're getting out of this giant 130 percent of debt to GDP, you know, without monetizing it. It just helps the narrative of Bitcoin. Also, you know, instant settlement, all the other parts of crypto, like stable coins literally should be smiling right now because how you move money around on the weekends and, you know, being able to move money offshore and all of that stuff, the crypto rails get get highlighted at a time like this. Um, this I think is a fundamental right. People should be able to buy any asset they want to to store their hard-earned wealth. Yeah. And so it's crazy the government has tried to impede us from owning Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Um, but they are. Yeah. What gets you excited about the uh, opportunity? I mean, obviously 2022 was a uh, I'm going to use a euphemism. It was a rocky year. In markets, um, it was rocky in the crypto infrastructure space. You know, obviously, Galaxy, we're still here building. What gets you excited uh, about Galaxy and the opportunity for crypto? Listen, the one thing I am positive at is that our firm, our people, and the whole industry is resilient as hell. Like, I spent my life as a wrestler, and so we we pride ourselves on being tough and resilient. But, man, crypto guys are maybe not as tough as wrestlers, but they're pretty damn tough, and they're creative <laughs> And resilient. And so Bitcoin has rallied from 17 to 28 despite Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler and regulators around the world trying to smash us, despite fraudsters like Sam Bankman fried and Kyle Davies and Zoo, whatever his name is, uh, you know, defrauding people, despite uh, BlockFi and Celsius and Genesis being poorly managed, right? And so we had all kinds of crap, and despite all that, we're higher in price. We're higher in price, not because you know giant institutions are buying tons of it, because crypto is a community-based project. Bitcoin, Ethereum have giant communities that believe in it and care about it. Retail is driving us back. There are institutional buyers. We've had hedge funds buying. You know, we're continuing. Our job is to get institutions. Our job at Galaxy yeah. into the space. But I want to give a shout out to the crypto degens, the yeah, the stackers, the, the, the sat o- stackers, the sat stackers, the OGs. <laughs> yeah. They are actually providing the floor and support. And I tell it to politicians all the time. I was like, "What are you guys talking about? Like, this is a populist movement. Like, yeah, these, these are, are your constituents. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much for joining Galaxy Brains. Great to have you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome.
Let's go to our guest, Thomas Pacquia, good friend of mine. Uh, how are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. So, great to be here. Yeah. Great I'm, to see you. Great you to look have great you. in the orange. I appreciate that. I love this sweatshirt. <laughs> so, so Thomas, among other things, which we'll get into, owner, proprietor of PubKey. PubKey. The best bar in New York um, yeah. and the only Bitcoin bar. It's a, it's a Bitcoin cultural center embedded within a New York dive bar. Which is and has excellent food, by the way. Yes, I think that's what really sets it apart in my mind. Even if you don't go there to eat, just knowing that it stands out. Yeah, uh, you should eat. By the way, get the dirty dog. Um, Recently, we've been told that we have one of the best burgers in New York City and one of the worst cocktails in the city. <laughs> Which one is that? Is that the it's orange, the orange pill. The orange pill. The orange pill pleb. Uh, we're, we're retooling, <laughs> or we're going to lean into it being objectively the worst cocktail because that'll be a novelty. It's kind of better. It's like let me try out. What bad is it? This it's is. a high life <laughs> with like grenadine or something, or yeah, Campari it's like, in it. It's what? a high life with like a shot of. Campari and like uh, sweet vermouth. Uh, <laughs> and why the vermouth? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but you get, if you order the orange pill, you get a free dirty dog. Uh, they got great hot dogs there. Yeah. Or at least that's what my sweatshirt says on the back. Yeah, we never, uh, we, we haven't uh, actualized that promotion yet, but it does say that in the bathroom. Nobody's come out and said, like, you, you know, owe me a, you owe me a dirty dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> great place near Washington Square Park. Encourage Thank everyone you. to check it out. Um, and I think people who watch our YouTube version of this show uh, will see that I've actually worn. The Pupkey paraphernalia sweatshirts before, and I'm wearing one now. So we appreciate you yeah, very much. I, I uh, recommend it highly. But let's talk about we'll talk about Pupkey and what your plans are for Pupkey. Sure. What you've done so far beyond simply just a dive bar, cultural congregation center. Sure. Um, and it is a good bar. Thank you. But let's get into some other stuff. I, you can give me your history in Bitcoin, and I'll just set the stage here with I met Thomas. Thomas was – you're a lawyer, actually, technically. Recovering. Recovering. Yeah. Thomas a was a um, – uh, uh, was worked at Fidelity's Bitcoin and Blockchain Incubator. Yep. Um, even before – well, I was at Fidelity before, before I actually worked in that group. Yeah. Um, that's how I met you. Uh, what brought you there? So, uh, yeah, in a previous life, I actually used to work down here at a law firm called Cadwallader. They're, you know, a couple of buildings away. Uh, swap and derivative, uh, capital markets stuff, you know, off-take agreements, long-term, like sales contracts. Real sexy stuff. ISDAs. Yeah, ISDAs. ISDAs, to be precise. Love the ISDA. Um, so I was part of that class of Bitcoin, like, late 2012, early 2013, that were sort of like rescue dogs. Like, not really in it for the libertarian stuff or the Silk Road, but... Like, that's a lot more exciting than what I do on a daily basis. So um, fell down uh, fell down the rabbit hole, like, from there on out. Um, bounced around the space a little bit, went back to NYU, got a master's in finance, wrote a Bitcoin thesis on merchant adoption, whether or not that was a viable use case. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, joined a, a startup called Digital Asset Holdings, which in ancient, ancient history was a Bitcoin company. Then it became sort of distributed ledger technology. Wasn't really uh, in it for that. Uh, and that's when I uh, joined Fidelity. So late 2015. Yeah. So that was yeah. early days in Fidelity's formal uh, exploration of Bitcoin and yeah. blockchain technology. It was the Bitcoin incubator at the time. The and Bitcoin then it was rebranded. To the blockchain incubator. The blockchain. Yeah. That yeah, was something so, that followed me for a little while. So I felt cursed. <laughs> so later I worked as director of blockchain research, uh, actually technically adjacent to the blockchain incubator. Yeah. But in the same department. Um, so you were, uh, what did you do at the blockchain incubator, the Bitcoin incubator? So I was in like a, a flex role between like legal risk and compliance, leveraging sort of the, the, the prior background in, uh, uh, in the law. Uh, but also <laughs> I think like Kanitsky, like uh, David Kanitsky and I were two of the first, I guess, people with a background in Bitcoin. So yeah. we were hired as like subject matter experts. Got it. 
Uh, I think on a daily basis, I worked on a range of products, from, like the mining project, Fidelity Charitable, the early iterations of what eventually became Fidelity Digital Asset Services, so the early architecture of the custody and exchange platform. But on a daily basis, it was really sort of um, neutralizing legal risk and compliance threats to the existential uh, <laughs> nature of the Bitcoin incubator. Yeah. So for a while there, I would go in with um, a paper wallet, $5 worth of Bitcoin on a paper wallet and build a transaction, just start from the beginning. Yep. And I had a pretty good, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, success, like conversion. Yeah. Rate. Yeah. I love that. So um, I wrote a blog, and uh, like know, the first, like uh, I guess internal Bitcoin blog called the Bitstillery. Yep. With someone, uh, uh, Brittany Hamtel at yep. the time. Yeah, it was fun. I think I remember reading that, um, and I later. I don't think if any Fidelity people are reading, I think they've nuked that internal uh, social media platform. It was called Ribbit. Yes. At the time, but it if it isn't nuked, <laughs> go find it. The Bitstillery. It was extraordinarily difficult to publish on. Uh, <laughs> it was not a good platform. It was not easy. Uh, it was fun, though. Yeah. I was quoting, like, Mirchel Papashu at the time. Yeah. Like, like Trilemma. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, so, uh, after Fidelity, yeah. uh, what have you been doing in Bitcoin in general? Uh, started a private fund uh, called Hoddle Capital, uh, mostly a Bitcoin fund. We were looking at, uh, I would say, altcoin opportunities, really. So things that had either uh, economic or technical vulnerabilities that we could structure trades against. Mm -hmm. Short-lived, not easy, easy to short, uh, I would say, shit coins. In uh, 2018 or so, uh, we started to focus on the flared methane gas uh, utilization for Bitcoin mining operations. Right. So we basically pivoted completely to um, mining and hash rate market infrastructure developments. And that's what we've been focused on ever since. Uh, Sunset Hoddle Capital started a new company called Hash Function. And Hash Function is building out risk management products for, uh, for mining operations, helping accelerate the development of hash rate market infrastructure. And I've come full circle because it's back to the swap and derivatives, <laughs> uh, which is uh, good because I think they're really, they're really useful and impactful. They have a lot of potential for miners, but um, I'm conflicted about it, about the ISDAs again. Yeah, so let's talk about – let's go first on the hash rate uh, derivatives and uh, market infrastructure. Then I want to sure. talk about flare gas too because that's a really interesting topic. Sure. Um, what is the idea here, that, that miners are inherently long Bitcoin, that there's some hedging they can do? Or is it their, what are they, long ASICs? They're long hash? Yeah, they're short hash rate. Uh, short hash rate. Short hash rate. Explain it to me. So everything on the cost side is denominated in dollars or the local currency. Like That's the real world, you know, paying for electricity, building a data center, paying overhead, you know, sourcing the equipment, keeping the equipment happy and, mm -hmm. you know, functional. Everything on the revenue side, once you're up in hashing, is denominated in Bitcoin, really. And there's really no way to hedge out. There are some rudimentary ways to hedge out some of the volatility risks embedded within Ashrate, but it's got a long way to go. And optimizing the revenue side of the equation, I think, is going to become increasingly important for miners of all shapes and sizes, you know, public, private, on-grid, mm -hmm. off-grid. Um, and it's been, I would say, you know, underdeveloped over uh, the last however many years for a number of reasons. You know, the main one being the main catalyst here that actually accelerated this was the China ban. Because when you have a lot of the equipment and collateral sitting in China, very difficult to, you know, post that against a forward contract or a swap or something like That's that. That's collateral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so what does the two sided market look like for these instruments that need to exist? I mean who which side are the miners taking and who's taking the other side? 
Miners want to be able to lock in. So, look, uh, let's take difficulty, yeah. right? Difficulty is one of the, uh, you know, volatility uh, 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 components embedded within hash rate. You know, miners want to be able to protect their pro rata share of expected rewards going forward. So the one way they do that is they use a mining pool that deals with variance risk. But mm -hmm. if a mining operation is not growing at the, at the rate of growth of the cumulative hash rate of the total network, they become then they're, diluted they're overall. getting diluted on their expected yeah. rewards on a per block basis. Right. To lock that in, like, you know, the funding mechanisms for that, debt facilities, based on what's happened over the last, you know, year and a half or so, most debt facilities to most miners are closed off until we, you know, sort out a lot of the, uh, I would say, bad debt that's in the system, you know, BlockFi, rest in peace, uh, uh, Celsius, rest in peace. Um, but as that gets sorted out, I think some debt facilities will continue to open up a little bit. Selling equity, not terribly attractive to miners, you know, uh, they want the Bitcoin rewards ultimately. So you're really sort of stuck or you're left with selling production forward, which is how a lot of, you know, oil and gas exploration projects, you know, precious metal projects, that's how they finance, mm -hmm. right? Streaming, you know, royalty contracts, things like that. But embedded within these contracts are uh, some, you know, insufficient like metrics, so to speak. So, you know, pricing hash rate forward, very difficult. One difficulty adjustment, let alone, let's say, like a year's worth of cumulative adjustments, next to impossible to price. So you're not going to find a buyer for that. Mm -hmm. But the miners want to be able to lock that in so that they can protect. Uh, so it, there's a long-winded way of saying there's a lot of work to be done on the infrastructure side uh, to, to build these products out. You know, we've seen some rudimentary derivative products uh, take shape, but we don't have a, a liquid and robust spot market for hash rate yet. So that would be sort of bedrock for a lot of other really, you know, interesting and impactful risk management, you know, products and services. To, and, and we're to getting closer to getting there. I yeah, mean, you, absolutely. You guys and others are making progress on this because I've been hearing about various types of hash rate derivatives now for years. We know yep. the the um, I guess <laughs> I was going to say the supply side, the the miners, right? The people sure. that create the hash rate want this that yeah. makes total sense to me and the question was always well who's taking the other side of that yeah. bet so that there can be a market yeah um and i guess we we haven't come up with great answers great products i guess that can that make sense for it hodlers you know i think you know yep. the, the ability to look at streaming hash rate as like uh, a dca acquisition strategy where you get alongside miners and you get to enjoy some of the you know economics of you know uh, uh the profit margin of a mining operation mm -hmm. um you know, there are really interesting projects out there. So I'm a, a, a full disclosure, I'm an investor and an advisor to Luxor Technologies, mining pool out of Seattle, Washington, that does a lot of really fantastic work across the entire hash rate stack. Um, you know, they've been building out non-deliverable, you know, forwards and futures and, you know, some physically settled products. And, you know, uh, we're also seeing great work out of the, the Brains team. Um, I know... Uh, we have a, a New York broker dealer, Biruda, that's been working with some of these products for a long time. Galaxy, Nidig, like there's a lot of interest here, but there are, I think, a lot of different stakeholders that need to come together to look at these things. So hash function would be more of a, 
of a buy side operator because we want to you know build that Bitcoin treasury and these products are a good way to do that. Super interesting. Um, and then let's talk about PubKey a bit because I, I, it's not let's just a it. bar. It's you more had, fun. Yeah, and you had a uh, yeah, financial derivatives. Now let's talk about yeah. the bar. Um, so show some range here. <laughs> but what, what two things I think that stand out beyond the fact that it's a really cool establishment and a great you know place to grab a drink with the Bitcoin community yeah. in New York. Um, are the events that you guys have been hosting yeah. um, and also, you know, any expansion plans? Uh, because we are seeing, by the way, across the country and even perhaps the world, but certainly across the country, some some really interesting physical locations pop up, right? You've got uh, in Nashville, you've got, uh, what's it called? Bitcoin uh, Park. Bitcoin Park. Rod and um, Matt have done a fantastic job It was job awesome. You, were, you and I were both there for their mining conference a yep. couple, like maybe several weeks ago at this point, two yep. months ago. Yeah. Um, and then Might you've got well the guys yours. in Austin also have the Bitcoin Commons. Yep. Um, and also Pleb Lab Where's in that? Austin. Pleb Lab's in Austin. Oh, I haven't been there yet. Um, but yeah, Parker, uh, you know, Unchained Capital have done a fantastic job with the Commons. You know, they host, uh, you know, BitDevs. Actually just got back from there last week. They did the Bitcoin takeover during South by Southwest. It was awesome. Yeah, it's great. You get to yeah. bop between, you know, some music and some Bitcoin. What's not to like? I know. So, And then you've got <laughs> PubKey now in New York, which yeah. I think... Um, you know, it, I, you know, it's not, I guess the right setting hasn't been maybe for bit devs yet, but the bit devs crew all rolls up there now. Yeah. We host the after party. We're a little bit small. So capacity, the bars, like it's a sizable bar, especially for the West village. Our capacity is like 120. but, uh, Jay, every single time I talk about PubKey, I have to thank Jay for all of the work that he's done with, with bit devs over the years. Um, and galaxy has been a huge supporter of bit devs and cultivating that community. Um, and then, you know, from my perspective, Bit, um, PubKey really is setting out to support that and yep. build that back because, you know, COVID was pretty destructive, I think, towards the Bitcoin community here in New York. Yeah. And you've done, you've got an event space, though, behind, yep. through the bar. Yep. Um, r really, literally, it can be tables or chairs. You've done a comedy show that I was there for. Yep. Um, <laughs> you were on Peter McCormack's podcast, which you recorded there, right? And, yep. and others, when Peter was uh, in New York recently recorded there yep. um you've done bitcoin mining meetups there you did an ordinals meetup yeah um so it's, it's every monday we have something so on a monthly basis we'll have a mining meetup on a monthly basis we'll have a lightning meetup and we have something called the mystery bag which is a quarterly basis we'll do regulatory uh arts and culture in bitcoin and macroeconomics that's been going well uh, and then uh, a friend of mine and I host something that used to be called Shitcoin Chicanery, and now it's called I Guess We're Talking About. Uh, and that's where we get to take uh, a slightly more like technical view and point out sort of the, the differentiation between Bitcoin and other projects. So yeah. like maybe we'll dive into like Aptos or like God knows what. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And so um, like in New York or generally, though, uh, you know, what's the sort of the future hold you think for the PubKey uh, brand and experience? So we're going to need a little bit more time. We took the floor above PubKey as well, and that's going to be kind of like a co-working space, but more of like a, a clubhouse for Bitcoiners that don't necessarily have a base of operations here in New York. Maybe they're coming through for fundraising or marketing purposes. They're able to to leverage that location and have that base of Meetings, operations. Yeah. Like work there. Yeah. So a little bit in the vein of like Bitcoin Park or Bitcoin Commons in that sense. Yeah. Right? For sure. Love that. For and, sure. And then once we, you know, once we have the foundation, uh, the plan is to open up to other cities. Oh, and wow. we have a short list. We have, 
you know, I think five five cities are uh, are, you are ready the to finalists. Na- name any of your finalists, or maybe we have to have you back. It's very much uh, definitely have me back. I don't want to get like too committed. I'm pretty sure I I, I have a good sense of where we're going to go next. The team has a good sense, cool. not just me at PubKey. Uh, right, like uh, th- there's a really fantastic there team is. backing this. There is. Uh, we have about like 20, 25 people now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Hospitality. I have no background whatsoever <laughs> in hospitality, and oh my god. It's, well, I can just tell you. <laughs> I mean, I have a, a strong background in, in uh, going to places that are hospitable to me, <laughs> yeah. and I can tell you that um, PubKey is very hospitable, so you're doing something right. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. But no, the idea is, so we're going to have a, a number of different like content touch points. So there's going to be microphones up at the bar. In the back, you can think of it like- Microphones a, at the bar? At the bar, like for like quick hits, TikToks. Like if there's an interesting oh, wow. conversation, somebody has a question about Bitcoin, somebody behind the bar can you know also so- showcase the things that we're doing at PubKey. Cool. In the back, that's going to be like a comedy club. That's already like the comedy club, small, like jazz yeah. venue. Like people are able to come see like a presentation or that mining meetup. And then upstairs will be more like, you know, a studio setting. And we want that to be a touch point for each one of the locations. And the connectivity for pub keys uh, is going to be that global layer, right? That's like that's the Bitcoin conversation that's happening. And then at a more granular level, you know, each pub key should be uh representative of that location right so this is a classic west village new york dive bar yeah right if it were to be in london it should be a classic english pub and and do what is done well there do the best you can everything is everything should be better uh than it ought to be like at the bar i guess uh, but that connective that connective tissue is really Bitcoin and the uh, uh, the media side of things. What does it say to you about the state of the Bitcoin adoption cycle that like this is even an idea that's possible or that you see it in, in Nashville and Austin and like it seems to be happening like especially in a bear market. I mean, is that honey I mean, badgers. pretty incredible? The honey badgers completely unfazed. I mean, when FTX fell apart, we had a lot of folks just gather there because, it, like, you know, there are a lot of like crypto folks that were, you know, impacted by that, and they came in for, you know, a beer. It's literally the flight to safety. Commiserate. And by the Go way, can the I pub. get a flight? You know, <laughs> yeah, a, uh, yeah. The flight to safety would be actually. <laughs> you, should, you, should maybe, <laughs> you should make one, dude. If you guys start doing flights. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen that through the bear market, and we're also starting to see people, you know, come in and throw some high fives now that we've rebounded a little yeah. bit. And, you know, vibes are strong, like and getting it's, better. It's in, a, in good times. It's a place to celebrate, and bad yeah. times. It's a place to commiserate. Yeah. Um, but either I mean, way, histori- the community feels very strong. Yeah. Historically speaking, alcohol, pubs, taverns have played a very significant role in all sorts of paradigm shifts, you know, technological revolutions, revolution revolutions. Uh, Think about Hamilton, right? I mean, the, the yeah. second song, My Shot, right? It's about taking shots with this buddies at the bar yeah. and plotting the revolution. What's the one in Boston for the Revere? Green oh, uh, Bell and Hand is a famous revolutionary yeah. bar. Yeah. yeah, there's, oh, yeah, there's the several. Green Dragon. Was, the Green Dragon was where yep. uh, I think that was where he started or, or something. But yep. anyway, there's a ton of those in Boston. Um, uh, yeah, it's, so it makes it's sense. sort of like providing this like, you know, platform. Basically, it's, it's very cool stuff. Um, you know, thank you. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Bitcoin in general. Here, okay, I like talking I know, about Bitcoin. Yeah, you're a guy though who's I mean you've researched Bitcoin, you've worked on you've you've done investment related stuff in the Bitcoin world. You've you're building in Bitcoin culture. Yeah, um, you've you've been a Bitcoin subject matter expert like at Fidelity. It's me, a SME, an SME as they say. God, SME. I hate that term. 
<laughs> I even used um, it, and every time I did it. Because a lot has changed. I mean, I, I want to ask you, maybe we used uh, inscriptions and ordinals as a jumping off point, but then we'll go backwards. Overwhelmingly positive. You like it a lot? Very much so. What, what do good. you like about it? It's great for miners. Uh, if you have block space that is not being utilized in each block, uh, it means that there's you know diminished value for that. If, if block space is valuable because you're able to uh, have settlement finality and you know immutability, that's something that's valuable. And I think ordinals, you know, in some ways accidentally opened up this massive opportunity uh, to prove that block space is valuable. Yeah, that inscriptions and inscribing something uh, in the Bitcoin blockchain forever is a really powerful tool. Uh, it's going to cause transaction fees. We've already seen it. Not in, not massive strides, but like the, it's trending in the right direction. I mean, we're not really seeing one sat per V-byte anymore, really. No. We haven't really. No. It's gotten back down to two. And I thought like – I think that the 12-fold, the, the Yuga Labs um, ordinal launch mm -hmm. uh, is uh, underappreciated. Watching that mechanism, it was a 24-hour auction, and in that last 30 minutes – the leaderboard, right? You had to have, uh, you had to place a bid that was in the top 288, whatever. Yep. That leaderboard was changing quite a bit in that last, you know, hour or so. Yeah. Are you going to get another block before the cutoff? Right. Like, is my bid high enough? Like, it gamified it. It, it was quite an interesting mechanism. It was yeah. really, really cool. So anyway, uh, transaction fees go up. Uh, blocks are full. That's good for miners. It uh, allows miners, you know, uh, it's giving some, like, you know, badly needed, you know, revenue boost. Uh, it's good for mining pools. Uh, we're seeing mining pools play a really interesting role. Luxor specifically is really on top of the ordinal stuff. I'm excited to see some developments coming out of them. Um, it's also good for layer two. It's pushing a lot of the activity up to layer two. Before ordinals and before we saw more demand for block space, you know, I think that we were building uh, a, 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 a tenuous overcapacity situation. Like Lightning Network is developing quite nicely, but that doesn't matter if the miners are starving and dying because there's no <laughs> transaction fees. And, you know, as we go, you know, cycle having after having, transaction fees must become more robust and sustainable. So I think, you know, ordinals are overwhelmingly positive. What do you think it says about, um, you know, the BIP process? Because one of the interesting things to me was that this really did seem to surprise a lot of Bitcoiners. It certainly surprised me. Yeah. I wrote about Taproot. happy I, little accident. I kind of didn't realize that <laughs> Taproot and, um, and, and then obviously Segwit, yeah. but combined during the, you know, speedy trial activation of Taproot, that it could result in, in lifting completely the arbitrary limit, uh, the yeah. limit on arbitrary data, that it could actually result in this giant new blob space or call data space, yeah. as, we, as we say. Yeah. Isn't that weird and problematic? I mean, Bitcoiners literally didn't expect this. Don't you think that if yes. during the taproot debates online and whatnot, if people had really known that ordinals could be possible back then, yes. they might have opposed taproot? Yes, I think absolutely. Um, look, you know, speedy trial is a bit of a misnomer, I think, because, you know, the core development community is decentralized and there are a lot of core developers and they've done fantastic work but there's a difference between bitcoin core capital c that's a development project and bitcoin core development lowercase c where you're actually developing on the protocol you know i'd like to see more diversity of development teams 
Uh, I've done a lot of work with Eric Bosco in the Little Bitcoin Project that was founded by Amir Taki. Amir actually created the Bit process way back when. Right. He was the first one to you know take sort of the uh, proposal system from Linux and apply it to Bitcoin. Formalize it for Bitcoin. Yeah, which yeah. was tremendously which important. Basically, all the other altcoins have also copied that process for the yeah, most part. Pretty much. Um, they call them BIPs, EIPs, yeah. CIPs, EIPs. Yeah. Um, and Noster too. They're like nips. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think we have uh, a situation where we want to see more development, uh, more diversity of development teams. Yeah. Um, you know, with a speedy trial, like it's only natural if you work with a group of people on a daily basis, you become friends, you lower your degree of uh, scrutiny or peer review. Not saying that that is problematic, but that is where some of the, you know, happy little accidents have come from. I mean, and this was a happy accident. I yeah, think for, we both agree. I, I think both of us are, are very positive on, on inscriptions and ordinals here. So in that sense, it's happy, but it makes me concerned that what if it wasn't a happy accident? It was some other accident that We've could be We've had those before. Yeah. I mean, there, have. there have been inflation bugs before. Um, you know, thankfully, everybody is like, you know, we have just unbelievable uh, talent in the development and engineering, you know, uh, uh, components of, uh, of Bitcoin Core uh, to be able to catch this stuff. But look, the concept of moving fast and breaking things does not really apply to Bitcoin. Uh, you right. got to be really slow and deliberate. That's what worries me a little bit about the the and it doesn't I think this has worked out great, but it makes me a bit bearish on like big bips in the future, right? That I think they'll be more narrow and fewer and far between. And I'm someone who in general, although I'm open to I'm not necessarily advocating for any in particular, but I, I would like to continue updating Bitcoin. Now, yeah, just generally. I don't I don't believe that we should ossify the protocol now. That's up to the users, right? right? So and and what so every single upgrade to Bitcoin Core capital C uh, is you know technically an alternative implementation, right? It's adding new features, and it's up to the users whether or not they want to upgrade their node and implement those changes. Um, so it's important to have really educated users and yeah. and people who are running their own nodes actually are able to dive into the technical you know, uh, uh, differentiation from upgrade to upgrade. I, I would say they're, the Bitcoin users, the node runners, are more technical than probably any of the other yeah. uh, networks. But are they technical enough for that? It's the be I think it's the, the best one that we have. Uh, it's the best. What's the, it's the, the cliche? Winston the Churchill best worst, best worst the, option? Or yeah, like exactly. Like it's, that. The, it's the, There's um, always room it's for the worst option except for all the others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's always room for improvement. And look, we have great services that are popping up that are, you know, setting up like, you know, instances of running your own node. You're effectively trusting those ones. Some give, you know, the optionality to upgrade, you know, new features, turn features on and off. This is also You're a talking really about like thing. the nodes, the physical nodes, like the umbrella software. Yeah, umbrella voltage the, like my, you my know, node yeah it's our voltage yeah, yeah 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 and these are fantastic services uh and we're seeing the same thing i would say in the lightning space as well like a zeus offers right. a, a, a tremendous zeus by the way uh also you know beloved you know friend and family of PubKey. they they implemented our uh, bitcoin you know and lightning payments at the pub yeah the bloomberg story about PubKey, which was a pretty good story yeah, still waiting but, for that update yeah but they they did they tried to dunk <laughs> on you they said the uh, bitcoin bar that doesn't accept bitcoin yeah. which has been a dunk that people have done on bitcoin companies or yeah. com there was a bitcoin conference one time they yeah. dunked on i'm just um, out here larping but, but you also could have turned it on quickly with some kind of fully custodial service yeah. Instead, what did you do? Well, we wanted we wanted something that was more functional. We wanted to be cognizant of, I would say, the regulatory landscape here in New York City. 
um, you know, we wanted to uh, do things in the right way. I mean, you know, look, this is this is smashing together the two most heavily regulated businesses on the planet <laughs> between a liquor license and Bitcoin. Uh, so we want to be pretty deliberate and, and stay on like the safe side of things. But we want to we want to do Bitcoin stuff. Right. Yeah. And, you know, going about it in the right way is really important. I think we got it up pretty fast, and yeah. you know, Zeus is a major, but you major, have a non-custodial setup. Mm -hmm. you, you guys hold your own keys or whatever, right? For for this thing, and you. We don't want to like divulge I'm too not much, go but too yes, deep, we but have, yes. and we are we are holding the Bitcoin that we receive. Oh, so you're stacking? You're yes. using it to stack? Yes. Oh wow! All of it. Love that. All less than one percent of total revenue until it becomes an <laughs> operational. If it becomes, you know, God willing, it'll become an operational headache where we'll have to. You so many know, people are paying with Bitcoin. You mean, yeah, because yeah. you, you do accept dollars. Yeah. Well, we got to pay rent, and you know, Con Ed is not going to accept Bitcoin. Well, you know, and so. let's be real. You know, on the payment side, I mean, I love. I've I spend Bitcoin in some cases, and I and you know, and have for years. But you know, something that I'm literally going to drink. Right. I'd rather if I'm going to buy something with Bitcoin, if I can, yes. I'd rather be like, you know, made out of stone yes. or something really valuable. Please replenish the Bitcoin you spend at PubKey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're literally throwing Bitcoin down yeah. your throat. Yeah. And it's... You don't want that. You don't want that like, you know, two or three beers to be worth a private jet one day. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. We all have those stories. If it's oh, we do. Long we enough. do. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this has been great, Thomas. Cool. Um, thanks for coming so much, my friend. Thank Thomas, you so much for having us. Thomas Packy, a proprietor of PubKey, Bitcoin extraordinaire. Uh, thanks for joining Galaxy Brains. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. That's it for Galaxy Brains this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to our guest, Mike Novogratz, CEO of Galaxy Digital, and Thomas Pacquia, owner and proprietor of PubKey. That's all we've got for the show. We will see you next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.